Okay. Hello. Hey. Um, How are you both... doing? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, we both just finished. You had an easy run. I had an easy run-ish. Uh, I had a longish run with a workout, actually. <laughs> oh, so not easy at all. Not easy, no. And was probably run harder than it should have been, but I ran it with a friend. It was my first yeah. workout post Houston. And, um, we just, it was really nice out and we just had fun. So yeah. sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens. Okay. So I just have gotten back into running with other people for the first time in a couple of years. Cause in Colorado, did I ever do a run with a friend? I ran with my sister once. I can't remember if I ran with a friend. I probably did like maybe once, which is like so sad. We were there for three years, but I was pregnant for one of them. So <laughs> anyways. And like, like the pandemic, I mean, I yeah. just about a year ago started running with said friend that I ran with today. We we yeah. made friends at a run club and she's the only person I run with aside from like yeah. a few group runs over the last year. But it was definitely weird moving at like during the pandemic and then having yes. like you were pregnant, I had surgery. And then it's like, okay, now we can run with people again. Who do I run with? Where are the people? I know. Yeah. <laughs> we had similar experiences. So I just started running with a friend and we mostly run on Fridays. And then there's another friend on my block, like long story short, we have a mutual friend in DC who follows her on Strava because they keep in touch. And he's like, I think she's on the same block as you. And I was like, what? That's wild. <laughs> so wild. Yeah. So we've run a few times, but I feel like my, I'm in good shape compared to the last couple of years for me. But when I run with other people, I suddenly feel like I forgot how to run. Like I'm like, oh, oh, like talking and running is hard. And like keeping in mind the route that I chose today for our run, if it's like my day to pick a route, I'm like, oh, wait, wait, we need to go this way. Oh, we need to go. Like, I'm just like, I feel like it's exhausting in a way that I kind of, I don't know. It's like a part of fitness that I lost sort of that I'm still trying to get back. Cause I, I swear when I run with Nora, I'm like, I promise you I'm in shape. Like, I don't know what's going on with me. It's hard. I mean, it's fun. It's worth it, but it's just different. I think it has so much to do with like finding the right people to run with too. Yeah. I yeah. went to this, like once I was finally back into a place where I was like, okay, I feel like I can run with other people post like surgery and everything I went to this super super chill Sunday run club and it's 30 minutes and it's like the chillest run club I've ever been to it's all women so it was like the perfect environment to dip my toes back into that yeah um, and that's where I met this friend that I've been running with mm. and she also ran in college and she, we on like the first run that we ever did together somehow got talking about disordered eating and oh body gosh. image and <laughs> all of the same struggles that we had in college. And yeah. I was obviously coming back from injury and she was kind of starting to get back to consistently running for the first time since college. She's a little bit younger than I am, <clears throat> excuse me. And it just, we had such similar backgrounds and I think our college race times are, are probably pretty similar. So we just mesh so perfectly in that. And yeah. we have the similar background of we've spent so long on teams. So we've spent so much of our running life running with other people yeah. that it's just like the perfect fit and we don't really have to like think about it. So it's so nice. But today we were both kind of like, 
the, the beginning of our run, we were chatting a lot and I was telling her a story and all of a sudden I was like, I'm sorry, I like cannot yeah. breathe. <laughs> we just had to slow it down a little bit because I was like, I want to talk, but I can't do it right now. Yeah. Like at oh. altitude, it's so hard too. Right, like, you're already low on oxygen. <laughs> yes, I, Nora knows this, but for a while I would sort of sneakily see a hill coming up and I'm like, so like, how'd you guys decide to move here? <laughs> just this really long open-ended question. So I'm like, I can't talk up this hill. And I know that her easy pace is a little bit faster than mine like baseline I think in general we're a really good fit but I think if it were just her running she'd go a little bit faster so I'm always like okay if I can just get her to talk more <laughs> it like levels the playing field you know that's totally the key to running with other people is like yeah. asking questions and just letting them do the talking while you like, catch I'm up <laughs> I'm here for all the stories give me the long version I want to hear all the details yes so we just finished our run slash workouts. And then I don't, well, I don't know if you think about this. I hosted a podcast for so long that sometimes I think about these things. I made pizza, took a shower, grabbed a spin drip, sat down. And I'm like, there's some voice coach somewhere that's like, that is literally the worst thing you could do if you're about to talk for like 45 minutes is drink bubble water and eat pizza. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I feel like it's probably not good for your voice, but that's what I did. So my favorite post-run thing on the weekend is to reheat leftover pizza while I take a shower and then enjoy it after Spindrift, Diet Coke, like something like that. What is your go-to? Oh my God. I thought Troy was sitting on the couch behind you, but I think it's a pillow. <laughs> it is a pillow with my dog's face on it. Yes. <laughs> but it's he's so of... big that like that could be. <laughs> it is one of two pillows we have. Um, of him they're his pillows great, uh, great. we love but that. he's actually on the bed right now so okay. you can't see him yeah okay. um, sorry that was really distracting <laughs> I don't know why I just noticed that um what's your go-to post run if you were to do pizza or like whatever else is your favorite thing yeah so I have a couple different things so sometimes the pizza situation like you shared and um we have in Denver here there's a place called Blue Pan that's just Detroit style pizza and I love the there's one that's like mozzarella pepperoni salami like banana peppers all the things that's how yeah. I like my pizza um and so if I if I do a post long run pizza I'll do a cold slice then do the shower well the second slice you gotta get it in like okay yeah. we're, we're on a timeline here yes and then I'll do a, a second slice the other thing I really love is like an Italian sub mm. with salt and vinegar chips I always want salt and vinegar chips after a long run so that's those are my go-tos for sure that's pretty solid I have a one of the coffee shops I go to here has a breakfast sandwich that's bagel of choice and then it's egg and cheese and then either like bacon ham or avocado and I always I like to get that with a bag of chips if I do mm -hmm. like a run in the morning and then head to the coffee shop so good yeah sometimes I'll do that too there's one near us that does a pretty good bagel sandwich which is very hard to find here in Denver it's breakfast burritos everywhere yes less, Ugh, I less love bagel burrito. sandwiches which is which is tough being from the East Coast, but the one near me has a good breakfast sandwich and they do like a chili oil on it, which oh. is just my fave. Yeah. And then of course, salt and vinegar chips. 
can't can't go without them (laughs) I'm just learning something new about you after seven years I love that oh my god literally every run and I also love like I'll crave a sour beer post long run and there's a couple I've gotten really into like non-alcoholic beers especially post run just for like the taste but there's a couple good ones I like the athletic brewing one and then there's a brand called untitled art and they have a couple really good sours so okay. that's, that's gonna, the other thing. I got to manifest this because I love athletic brewing. I started drinking them when I was pregnant with Theo because a friend had them and I was like, oh, I've never heard of this brand, but I'll try it. And I was like, these are actually good and yeah. which is pretty hard to find. And this was also 2021. So I don't know, maybe the market has changed since then, but I'll still get them. They sell them at Trader Joe's. Uh, we need mm-hmm. an athletic brewing sponsorship, please. Yeah. Like, yes, perfect. And like, if anyone's <laughs> listening, connect us to athletic brewing. I love them. I think yes. their stuff is so good. I appreciate that it exists. So just putting that out to the. Yeah, I think there's a lot more options now, but they were definitely like the first one I ever tried. And we still consistently yeah. like we we regularly like have it in the fridge, especially in the summer. Yeah. I love to go to the pool with a beer, but I'm like, I just ran miles. I'm not going to undo it with a beer. Yeah. I hear you. Parenting, you know, sometimes you just want the taste, but not the effect. So yeah. like, it's nice yeah. to have options. All right. Let's switch gears a little bit. So I wrote the newsletter last week well, at the time of recording. It was last week. And just to be honest with people listening, like, I don't know. I think we both feel this way, but like getting back into writing these newsletters is also mm-hmm. just kind of a muscle that I feel like I've lost a little bit. Like I've done a lot of creative writing over the last few years and tried to get away from writing about nutrition and running as often as I was for a long time. And I also just, aside from creative writing outlets, like haven't done a lot of writing. And so when I sit down to write these, I'm like, try to remember things. (laughs) Like, What are we talking about here? So we're still getting back into that groove a little bit. And I don't know, for some reason, I can't remember why, because a week ago feels like a month ago right now, (laughs) maybe because I'm training for a half marathon. And it was like around this time in 2008, when I was training for my first half marathon and like this memory just came back to me. So I wrote about that. Um, And then you were like, I don't relate to this. (laughs) Yeah. So the kind of crux of the newsletter that you wrote was around like catalysts that yeah you know cause you to be like I want to change I want to do something different so maybe first if you kind of want to recap that for those who haven't read it like what what did you kind of share in that newsletter yeah so again it was like this time like mid-February 2008 so so many moons ago I was a senior in college and like for sure worth noting that I was studying nutrition. That was what I was getting a degree in. And so like four years in had like a pretty good grasp on nutrition overall, but also had a really disordered relationship to food during college, like came into college with an undiagnosed eating disorder, which I only understand and can like see clearly in hindsight. But at the time I was just like, I'm just like being healthy, studied nutrition. Those two things are very much related. And over the next couple of years, like learned more about 
obviously learned a lot more about nutrition, but also, I don't know if we've talked about this. I worked in a lab in college where they were studying amenorrhea and that's how I learned oh. what it was. So we can put a pin in that and come back. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I wasn't getting a period. So I was like, what is this? I feel like maybe anyways, we can talk about that another time. I've probably written about it at some point, but um, anyway, signed up for a half marathon because my roommate ran a marathon in the fall. And this is like Penn State football season. Like she was such a big football fan. I don't know if she feels exactly the same way about it now, but was an <laughs> avid fan. And that's a tough season to do anything, let alone train for a marathon. And I was like, this is wild. Like I've just never thought of running more than like three miles. And then we found this half marathon in Pittsburgh that was near one of our other roommates, like hometown. And I was like, well, what if we do this? together. And then we could stay at her family house over the weekend. And so I'm like basically five weeks out and I'm like, okay, so got to start training for this thing. What does that look like? (laughs) I don't know. And I just decided the first thing I should do was see if I could run for an hour. And I kind of put it off all morning. Like, oh, this sounds like really intimidating. I don't know if I can run for an hour. That sounds really far. And I also had this thought that morning that if you want to run for an hour, you have to eat enough food to be running for an hour. And that was just, I didn't know a lot about sports nutrition. It was probably one chapter in one book in one of our classes, but it just came to me in that moment. Like what little you do know indicates that you're not going to be able to do this thing that you have decided you want to do unless you treat your body in a way that will allow it to do this. And you will crash and burn if you're not eating enough or if you're not respecting what this distance requires of your body, even though I'd never done it before. And I have this really vivid memory of that Sunday morning being in our apartment and trying to resist the normal urges I would have to restrict or to wait a little bit longer to eat or whatever my disordered behaviors were at the time. And I remember thinking, if you want to do this, you've got to kind of buck up a little bit and something's Mm got to change because you can't run 13 miles and have this really restrictive eating behavior pattern, you can do one or the other. So, you know, what's your choice right now? Yeah. I I have like a number of thoughts. My first thought (laughs) is whenever I hear somebody say that they ran a marathon or even a half marathon in college, my mind is blown. I'm like, how did you do that? I was, and I recognize (laughs) I ran three seasons, um, track and cross country in college. I regularly ran long runs on weekends, on Sunday morning, Mm. but still the concept of being in college and running a half marathon or a full marathon, especially a full marathon, just fully blows my mind. So, I mean, I still feel sort of like blown away. I knew two people in college that ran a marathon. One was my roommate, Larissa, and one was somebody that was in a group that I participated in for a little while. And I just remember, and this was she ran it two years before. So I think I was a sophomore and I'm like, what is this chick doing? (laughs) What? She would talk about where she ran in town. And like when you're, I don't know, when I was a college student, like my world felt so small, like everything I Mm -hmm. needed was on campus or two streets off campus. That was it. You know, we didn't go anywhere else. And to hear her running like down all these like backcountry roads, I was like, where is she going? What is happening? A number of the athletes that I coach now, because I coach, you know, adult runners, I often will have my initial call with them and they'll say, I ran a marathon 
in college. I haven't run one in five years, 10 years, whatever. And I'm always, my mind is always blown. So that was just the first thought I had. (laughs) The next thought I was thinking about is like, you're sharing how you were getting ready to go out for this hour long run. You didn't know if you could do it, but you knew that you wouldn't be able to do it if you didn't fuel. And I'm just, I'm really fascinated by that. And obviously this probably has a lot to do with your nutrition background and what you were studying. But I think that was, that was such an advantage for you in a way, because so few of us know that. And, you know, you say like, you can't go out and run 13.1 miles without fueling your body with restricting. Unfortunately, we can, and many of us do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess then, can. it's just going to feel a little bit different. <laughs> like, and then you end up with stress fractures and right. burnout and all of those things, which is where yeah. I found myself when I started when I, I mean, I found myself there in college, but then continued to find myself there post-collegiately running my first few marathons and half marathons because I wasn't fueling. Um, and I didn't have that same background in nutrition. Um, and like you said, how you originally thought, well, I'm just being really healthy. That's what I, you know, I think deep down, I knew that wasn't the case, but I told myself that story. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just like, find that fascinating. And then I just want you to share more about then what that looked like, because sure, that sounds simple of like, well, I knew I couldn't go out and run an hour or run a half marathon without fueling. So now I need to fuel. Yeah. But I know it wasn't that black and white. So what did that look like moving forward? Yeah. And one thing that came up while you were talking is like, I had the background in nutrition. Certainly that was an advantage, even if I was still a student at the time, but you had a background in running. And so like, in theory, there should have been a coach mm-hmm. at some time that was like, Hey, if you all want to run your best, here's what that's going to require of you. So like, you know, maybe folks listening were not collegiate athletes and didn't study nutrition. Therefore, like, where would they have got <laughs> this information? Right. But like, it's sad to me that there are so many collegiate athletes that were performing at such a high level that didn't even have a like little nugget of that information from either like a staff dietitian, a sports nutritionist for the school, a coach, like anybody, you know, like, and I certainly had experiences with coaches, both in high school and college that were like, make sure you're eating enough. You need to eat enough. Yeah, but like, however, it didn't go any further than that. And so, sure, my one meal of a day and all of the water I'm guzzling down in classes, it's enough. Yeah, that's what that's what I convinced myself of. It wasn't, but I didn't have the knowledge to know what is enough, especially living in this society and living in this world and being somebody who grew up in the nineties where I constantly saw the women and the men around me dieting and no carbs and all of those things. So Mm -hmm. what was quote unquote enough, I assumed was a very small amount. Right. Yeah. That's totally fair. That makes a lot of sense. Cause I like all of us absorb that information to some, or many of us absorb that information to some extent. Yeah. It was definitely not that black or white. And I think that Leading up to that point, there were probably many small moments of me wanting to shift my behaviors 
that would bring me to a place where I even thought I could train for 13 miles. Like I could, I could do this. Right. Because if you had put me at that exact time in like mid February, the year before, two years before, three years before, like no way, mm -hmm. no way. There's not a chance. I wouldn't have wanted to, and I would have known that it wasn't something or I wouldn't have thought it was something I could pursue. So I think it's probably that there were a lot of small changes I made leading up to that, that were allowed me to be in the mental space to say, Hey, if you really want this thing, you got to do it right. You know, or it's not going to feel good, or you're going to be struggling through this race. And that's not why you signed up for it. And then I, I really don't remember much between that vivid memory in my kitchen that morning and the actual race, other than mm -hmm. I kind of remember the week of the race starting to Google, like, what do you eat to carb load? <laughs> like, what does that mean? You know, like, what is a gel? <laughs> oh, no, I definitely did not actually. <laughs> we weren't there yet. <laughs> no, we were very definitely not there yet. They probably had like Gatorade on the course or something. So I think we did two loops. I think we did an out like a little lollipop and then did two loops of a five mile stretch. And so I think I probably just took like Gatorade or something, but yeah, I remember Googling the week of like, how much am I supposed to run? And this was probably what looked like the very <laughs> first time I'd like gone to like the runner's world website or something, or if they even have a website, I don't know. I don't remember, but, um, and what is carb loading? And I was like, okay, we should like eat pasta on Friday night <laughs> and our race is on Saturday, you know? So I think it was just like, again, little changes leading up to that point where I was probably thinking like, what I thought was healthy doesn't feel healthy anymore. It's negatively impacting my health. I had had four years of amenorrhea and I was working in a lab where part of what they were studying was how much do you have to refuel a body to like kickstart the hormonal system again. And so I was absorbing information from being in that lab. Oh, the people who are in these experiments or in these studies, we're giving them these protein bars and we're tracking their caloric intake and we're trying to increase it gradually. And they're eating meals in a lab a couple of times a week. So I'm definitely picking up those little pieces of information. Okay. In order to get your period back, these are some of the things you have to do. And that certainly, again, was not an overnight shift for me, but it was just, I'm seeing this happen for other people. So I know eventually that's what I'm going to have to do. I can't just keep doing what I'm doing because nothing has changed. Right. And then through my degree, learning more about nutrition, I'm also learning about bone density. And when you're building bone density and what happens when you don't build bone density. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, mm -hmm. So I'm in that like 18 to 24 window right now. And it sounds like this is mm -hmm. not what I should be doing. And all of that stuff kind of culminated into this moment of if I want to run this thing and I wasn't thinking about stress fractures and I was not thinking about injuries. I don't, I didn't have enough of a running background at the time to mm -hmm. even consider that like, those were the things that could happen. But I really just thought like, if you actually want to do this and there was probably maybe a little bit of competitive, like if Larissa could run a marathon, I can run a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> and we've talked about this. She knows. So I think probably there was that element too of like, if you say you're going to do this, you better do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious, like as you made those changes, was there any emotional turmoil there, mm -hmm. stress, guilt, things like that? Or did you, yeah. were you able to view it more from this like scientific aspect? No, all of the above. <laughs> 
I, there was definitely no like pragmatic aspect to it. I still grappled a lot with this is too much. This feels like a lot. I feel really mm -hmm. full, you know, not knowing how to time a pre-run snack with a run and then feeling like I should wait longer or not eat that much. No, it was definitely still, I think my disordered eating really lingered until my mid twenties, but I would say the trend was like going towards healthier eating and like less restriction. I mean, healthier eating, whatever that means to somebody. But um, if you were to like, look at the years of 19 to 25, the trend is okay. It's getting less disordered over that time with a lot of ups and downs, depending on relationships, moving jobs, graduating, stress, transition, you know, all of those things. I was just as susceptible to, oh, it feels better to try to have some control over this. Yeah. It was a lot of up and down. And I ran another one. So I ran that race in March and I ran another one over the summer and then I ran another one in the fall. So like kind of leaned in hard. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I ran three that year. And the first one, like I felt great. I've like really, even though I was probably a little undertrained for it, it's better than, than being overtrained, right? So like I felt Always, really good. Yeah. The second one was in Utah and it was like mostly downhill. And while I overall remember feeling pretty good. I was so trashed from that race. Like the downhills are so downhill. hard. Yeah. It was in Bryce Canyon. And the first five miles were like from the top of the Canyon to the bottom. I'm sure it was beautiful. It was really pretty. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the third one was in Baltimore and I had just over the summer, I had like collected runner's world, running runner's world, like the magazines. I discovered mm -hmm. the magazines. I was working oh, in a yeah. hospital and hospitals have magazines everywhere. And I would literally just scour all of the piles of magazines for that top, like the font of like, runner's world mm -hmm. at the top. And I just took all of them and would like take them back to my little station and like just be flipping through them. And so there was something <laughs> about caffeine and performance. And so like, Mostly what I remember about the third one in Baltimore was that I drank a lot of coffee before the race and <laughs> I had to pee so bad and my mouth was so dry because I was dehydrated. Fun. So that so was fun. fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting how you kind of like, I, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of people listening have this experience of like you run your first one, whether that's a 5k, 10k, half or marathon. And then you're like, I want to do that again. I want to do that again. Sounds yeah. like that happened to you. Yes. I'm curious what I believe you had like a soccer background when you were yeah. younger. Yeah. What was before that half marathon in college? Like, what was your relationship like with exercise? Like, yeah. Was, were you playing soccer recreationally? Were you running? Rec like, what were you doing? Yeah. So I wish that I had played soccer recreationally in college. I didn't really understand what intramural sports were. Like, I knew that that was a thing, but I didn't really get it. I didn't know like, how do you sign up for this? And I didn't know anybody that did it. And in hindsight, I think I would have gotten so much out of intramural soccer. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been so good for me on so many levels. Um, just like the team aspect, like not losing a sport that you've had for most of your life, meeting people, having an activity, being around other people that just like value being outside and being active and not just like being in the gym. Cause most of what I did in college was go to the gym. And I think a lot of what you see in the gym is pretty disordered. Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. That might be a hot take, but like, um, especially in a college gym, especially in a college gym. And we were limited to 20 minutes on a cardio machine and just like watching like, Oh, you can get a five minute warm up and a five minute cool down. So everybody like using that time, like, 
yeah, I just witnessed, I think a lot of disordered behaviors that then I was like, oh, oh, that's what we're doing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yes, I played soccer through high school and I loved playing soccer and I like still miss it. I've played a little bit as an adult, but not as much as I would have liked. And in college that just translated to like, well, I ran a lot for soccer and I really hated it, but like, at least I know how to just go for a run. Like I've done that Mm -hmm. a lot, whether I like it or not, it's a thing I've done. I have running shoes. I have clothes that could be used for running versus like, I can't just go play soccer. Yeah. Like you can't, I think on most campuses, you can't like hop on any field and just start playing. So I think it was just like running was a thing I had done and it was a high energy output activity. So in my disordered brain, like that was the primary goal. Right. And I went to a gym and like, I mean, I went to college in Pennsylvania. So like running outside most of the year was not great for me because I didn't grow up in Pennsylvania I grew up in New Mexico (laughs) um but no I think very different yeah it just became like my preferred form of movement and then I would say probably like sophomore junior year it became a thing I actually enjoyed doing outside and our school had a lot of 5ks like it felt like there was a 5k. It was always the same route start and end at the exact same place, but it was like this week it's for this thing. And next week it's for that thing. And it was just always for some like nonprofit or like student organization or whatever. And I think I ran one my freshman year and then didn't do it again until my senior year. But I feel like just kind of seeing that happen was like, oh, people do races and you can like sign up and they just like tell you where to go. Like, okay, I've never seen that before, but like, it's <laughs> pretty fun. I don't know. I think the soccer to distance runner pipeline is it's very so, strong. Yes, seriously. And it's so funny because I, at least in my experience, most soccer players like really dislike running. It's like mm-hmm. a necessary thing they do to be in shape, to like go through a whole game. But our team, most of us hated our run days. It was the worst thing that could happen to us. And we all ran together. Yeah, I know. Here we are. Seriously. Yeah. One of our like tryout days, you had to run. It was like the first day of tryouts. It was a two mile run on the track and you're supposed to do it under 16 minutes, which felt so crazy to me at the time. I was like, oh my God. so fast and our coach was like it just means you have to run every lap in about two minutes right like every 400 and I was like so fast (laughs) uh yeah wouldn't be that Um, now but it was hard at the time uh this is completely unrelated but you just talking about Penn State brought up a memory for Mm. me um one of my first I guess not first somewhere sometime during my freshman season, um, cross country season, we had a race at Penn state Mm. and we got there Friday night and we were doing our like dog of the course. And it was like early October. Yeah. And as like Penn, Pennsylvania, New York likes to do, it started snowing again, like first weekend of of October. Yeah. And we're, we're jogging the course, previewing the course. By the time we finish previewing the six kilometer course, there are inches of snow on the ground. Yeah. We like get on the bus, go to our hotel, sleep, whatever, wake up to like a foot of snow. (laughs) And we're just like in our hotel room, like what is happening? Cross country races typically go on 
but it was like a yeah. foot of snow. And the it's the only time in my life that uh, a cross country race has been canceled. They canceled it. Wow. They canceled it, and we had to. We ended up driving like thirty minutes an hour, or something like that, to another school. A bunch of schools that were supposed to compete at Penn State did this. We went to this other one where they didn't get snow; they just got rain, hmm. and we literally ran through like a mud pit. Yeah, just absolutely wild weekend, but unrelated but just a funny memory that I oh, have I that. And, I, and I remember the same year April 30th so end of April we had a home track meet and it also snowed oh my so God. we were just dealing with snow from the first All week the of time. October to the end of April so that was fun that felt like Love the Northeast. yeah like yeah. I just was like why why are people outside like I asked myself so many times when I was there like why do people live here? This is horrible. And now I'm yes in a college town in the Midwest. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. See, I left. I'm in Denver now. Today yeah. it's 65 degrees out. So in February. So yeah. can't complain. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for kind of giving more background yeah. and detail on that. I was just curious because reading it, like I mentioned to you, I, I just don't really relate to that experience. And I think we can maybe get into my experience a different time. Maybe I'll kind of write about that for the newsletter next week. But mine was just a much more of a slow burn. And I think it's just, I wanted to hear more about your story because I know it wasn't like, oh, the, the light, like a switch flipped and then we're like, good. So I, I think it's just, nice to hear like the more nitty gritty aspect of that where it was there was a thing that was a catalyst to be like I need to change but it doesn't mean you were able to change overnight no that would be lovely if we could but it's just not realistic no Um, yeah and I think I've always I mean certainly when we started lane nine but like even long before that like being in a lot of running groups in DC and having friends that ran and then eventually getting into sports nutrition on the side and like having my private practice, I can very easily recognize that like my story is kind of the opposite of most people. I think unfortunately for a lot of us, like we get into running and it is a catalyst for disordered eating because you see, you know, what a quote unquote runner looks like at high levels. And there are tons of diet culture moments and comments in running groups. And I've worked with so many clients who are like, well, when we go to brunch after runs, like all people talk about is calories and what they've earned and like what they feel guilty about. And it's a little wild to me that my experience is really the opposite of what most people have or what they've Mm -hmm. gone through. And I, again, I think a lot of that is like having the background in nutrition and having this desire to maybe a little bit of a competitive desire to like prove to myself that I could do this thing, but knowing on some level. And even if I didn't have a full knowledge of like fueling and, you know, mid run fueling and whatever, like I at least understood the concept of my body will break all these things down, including my muscles. If I don't eat enough to do this and like eating enough at the time was certainly still the bare minimum. (laughs) There was not a total shift overnight. It was very, very gradual, but eventually I like, this is the other like really vivid memory I have of that time. This was two years later, but like a month before I ran my first marathon, I got my period back after six years. And I was like, well, okay. (laughs) 
Look at me go. Yeah. Like I remember training for that and feeling like, am I just going to dig myself into a hole? Like I'm still not getting a regular cycle. I'm, and I had been on and off like birth control pills. So I knew that was not the thing. It wasn't a period. It was just a band aid. And I was still really concerned about my overall bone density and like getting that period, like just kind of out of nowhere the month before a marathon. I was like, okay, I'm doing something right. Like it felt so good, you know, like I was like, (laughs) yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think it's just your, your story is different than what we typically hear. And I think it's a good example that everyone's story looks different. Um, and it's, it's all valid and running can play a different role in, in different people's stories. And like, for you, it was really positive. And for me, for a long time, it was really negative in a lot of ways and also really positive in other ways. And so, and for some people like running at some point is not a part of their lives and that's okay too. Um, And it's also okay to be sad about that and like mourn that. And maybe it's something you're able to come back to, but it's just, it's an important thing to so many of us, but it just looks different for everyone. And I just think that's really nice to hear a different perspective and something that I was just like, yeah, I'm trying to think of my catalyst and I don't have one. There's something, it It was maybe a lot of like little ones that like added. Yeah, yeah, totally. But we can get into that one another another day. (laughs) I think it's, and I think we've talked about this before, but I think there's definitely a component for me that I was never at a high level of running. So the context of running is very different for me, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I think about running and even at the time when I thought about it, like at the time it was an outlet for me. It was a movement that I had like learned to enjoy I did it Mm -hmm. for fun. I did it for myself. I did it to like get some alone time when I always had roommates. Like I'm an introvert and in college, you're like never by yourself, you know? So like (laughs) there were a lot of reasons I did it, that it really served me. And I didn't have kind of the fraught or what can be like a really fraught relationship to it when you are competing at a high level or you're training at times. Like my times meant nothing to me. My paces meant nothing to me. I had no context for any of it. Like I remember what I finished my first half marathon in. And like, I remember it not really mad. I'm just like, I don't even know what that means. Like, okay, yeah. cool, that's my time. Like, whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's definitely something to be said about that. Like naivete. Yeah. I did a, like a sprint triathlon in 2022, mm. like as I was coming back from my injury, because I was just cross training so much <laughs> that I was yeah. like, Why not? this is my moment. And I had that feeling where I was like, cool. I finished it. I have literally no idea what this time means. Right. And so I don't have to be like with running. It's still really difficult for me to not be upset about a time that I didn't like. And I think that's okay. Like it's, it's a different, like it serves a different purpose in my life. But for that triathlon, I was like, cool. I just did a new thing. Like, I don't care what time it was. And like right now, like I can tell you how fast I've run like every marathon in my life and most half marathons, but like, I I have no idea how fast I finished that (laughs) triathlon. Like I would have to go look it up because I have no context for it. And I think there's something really magical about that. Yeah. And I tell athletes too, like when they're running their first marathon, I'm like, don't set a goal, like just finish it. Like you're never going to get to be this naive again Yeah. to, to just enjoy it and just like run without the pressure. So like, just take it in. 
I I know, but I wonder if people can be naive now because what I also didn't have at the time was social media and I wasn't Mm. reading anything about running and I didn't have any access to what any of those times like quote unquote men. I mean, they actually like don't mean a lot in the grand scheme of things. Like it's all individual, but I wonder now if it's just harder for people to enter a marathon with like no time goal at all because they've absorbed, like if they've been on social media and part of the reason they're running is they're either in a running group or they're following a lot of runners and they feel inspired, like that, all of that information is stored somewhere, you know, like even when I ran my first marathon, like I still like at that point was reading runner's world and was like more into the running space, but I still was like, I don't know, like I don't know what like a quote unquote fast marathon is. And I don't know what I'm going to yeah. run a marathon in. And I don't really care, you know, <laughs> like by my second one, I cared a little bit, but I think it's harder to go in with just like, kind of like low key attitude about it just because there's so much information now. Yeah, that's really fair. I feel like these like kind of like benchmark um, times that people want to go for are, are just like, so And running is really popular right now. Um, yeah. It's we, kind we of like- that. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like all over. And obviously, my bubble is different. And like my social media is very much like running. It's just all running in Taylor Swift, to be honest. (laughs) Uh, But it is like everyone knows, oh, like a four hour marathon or a BQ, like those are things that are that are just in the ether. So that that is a good question. I, I think there is probably less of an ability to just kind of go in blind. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up because I feel like we've chatted for quite a bit, but yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I could provide more context. I don't think anybody has a total flip that they switch that they flip overnight. It's <laughs> always gradual and it's hard to capture that in an essay, but yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I've always been kind of grateful that like that has been my experience, even though over the past 15 years, as I've been much more immersed in the running space, I'm like, oh, oh, there's a lot going on. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I think that's also part of what I've always loved about working with runners as a practitioner when I was doing private practice was like, that's something you love and you want to hold on to it. And we can work with that. Even if it was the thing that also maybe introduced you to this new level of diet culture or this new level of disordered eating that maybe wasn't there before, or maybe this like disordered relationship to exercise, or maybe all of the above, even if running was kind of a conduit to that, it can still be a thing that you love in some way and maybe want to hold on to in some way. And again, that's not true for everybody. Some people are like, yeah, this, like I'm out, I'm going to go back to soccer or whatever. But like, (laughs) um, I've always appreciated when I work with runners, I'm like, we can kind of find a common ground there. And that can be a thing that helps you work on your values or like, see if this thing is important to you, then we can work on getting you to a quote unquote healthy space so that you can keep doing it. Yeah. I love that. Hmm. All right. Well, thanks for listening. If you're not on our Substack newsletter, it's lane9project.substack.com and we're at lane9project on Instagram. And this is the lane9 podcast. Thanks for tuning in.